Good morning, Sac City. Thanks for following wherever you download your podcast. You want to see what this city has to offer? Join us live on YouTube every Wednesday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button for the best NFL content on the interwebs. Sac City, baby! To another episode of the Saxony Podcast, I'm your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by your boy AJ Johnson. Below <laughs> him, we have my best friend in the whole entire world. He's getting Canadian, folks. He's getting Canadian. He is Aaron the Mukesia Mukes. And below me, we have the smoothest voice in sports casting. He is the reigning, the defending, the undisputed heavyweight valedictorian of the show. Dylan Kearns. It is a beautiful July 28th evening here in the city. Episode 60 is about to kick off. And if you're wondering and watching us on Facebook, like what the hell we haven't seen these guys live in ages. Well, we decided to give you guys a little treat being on our Facebook. Cause you know, Facebook is really where we all started the social media grind and where we really gained our big following. So we wanted to give back. So we are, Shooting this live on Facebook and recording it for the morning, but you get that inside scoop if you follow us on Facebook, so we appreciate that. But we're diving into the AFC South training camp this evening for episode 60. That's the Jaguars, the Titans, the Texans, and the Colts. AJ, how goes it? Happy fries day for, for yeah. thursday fry yay like <laughs> yeah, it goes you know i haven't got to say that one in a while it goes it goes so it's been a decent day uh I'm, I'm going through the motions still and ready for the weekend uh get a lot of stuff done knock them off the list make that to-do list this big and then uh we'll start all over again on monday and be right back at it so hopefully the list won't continue to expand after the weekend but it goes i hope it goes for you all as well Or not. The, it doesn't have to go for anybody. I mean, I guess it can just the, go for me. I'm okay. You know, with that. there's the there's well, that one guy out there. He's the most interesting man in the world. AJ is the most me. busiest man in the world. This <laughs> yeah. guy, AJ got he's so probably much got. To do. AJ got more shit to do than anybody on this earth. Earth with an F, not a T A. <laughs> earth. Like, I don't get it. I, I don't, don't get it. I don't understand how why he has so much shit. To do. I, I never got no kids, until man. now. <laughs> um, I am a top-notch uncle, sir, okay? At the best of them, all right? Uh, so I don't want to hear that. And all the kids, trick a lot of kids, all right? So don't even come uncle at me Fonz. about not uncle being Fonz. Fonz. Gucci. Uh, uncle. You know, I never understood it. Well, I understood. But I never really believed the whole not enough hours in the day thing until, you know, the last, like, 10 years. Uh, but, yeah, it's there's not. I, I could go 25-8, and I still would need more time. I, I, I'm a, I know Vinny didn't ask me, but I'm going to say this anyways because we're, we're live and you know, we don't do live very often. But I want to tell all the people on Facebook, especially those watching California, I'm coming home, baby. I'm coming home. 
That's right. World. I'm coming home this weekend. I cannot <laughs> wait. My flight leaves here in about uh about uh I don't know eight Six hours hours. Or so. Eight, eight hours. Or so. Yeah, and I, and I'll be I'll be I'll be home tomorrow morning. So I can't wait. I'm excited to see, excited to see my kids. Excited to see my wife. Excited to see the homies coming home. There Shout out go. Porto. Yeah, I hope you have Shout a good out. weekend, man. Shout I hope you Porto. enjoy your time. I'm glad you got to go back so quick. I remember when you didn't know when you'd be able to go back home and for it to yeah, this is it. About, this yeah, is it. My four days, five days there. I won't be back probably till 2023. So uh yeah, uh, yeah this, this is it. Football's getting ready to pick up. I'm not gonna have much time off. Uh, I had to go back. Yeah, yeah, that trombone vision going there, trying to see what that time was. You're getting old, fella. Oh my, oh my. Well, you did say we were live, and yes, we are live on Facebook. So everyone in the chat, please, let's get it buzzing here. Let's bring it back. Let's get the chatter going. We are interacting. We are live here on this beautiful Fun and Games Friday recording episode. This is obviously Thursday, but again, you get that inside scoop here. Let's get into the morning headlines, and we have to start off with the big contract that broke just a couple hours before the show. DK Metcalf signing a three-year, $72 million extension through 2025 with the Seattle Seahawks. He got the most guaranteed money out of a wide receiver in NFL history. AJ, going to keep rolling with you, buddy. Going to keep rolling with you here tonight. What does that, what does DK Metcalf's contract mean for the other wide receivers that still have yet to sign a new deal like Debo Samuel, Deontay Johnson, those type of players? Well, sadly for Deontay Johnson, I don't know if it means that much. I mean, we understand how the Steelers do business, and until it's his time, it, it probably won't get done. But Debo Samuel, it's just going to have to be if, if they can come to terms together with the 49ers. They've been at ends. I don't know if it's still about whether the way he's being used or whether if he just believes he deserves to be the top-notch, best-paid receiver in the league. Uh, but it's the same as it's always been. It's in it, nine times out of 10, it's going to be the next man up is getting the next dollar. Um, so they may have to structure something for these guys where it may not be the most guaranteed money, but it's something that is comparative to what a DK Metcalf got. And of course, to what a Christian Kirk got, that's your new range. Now Christian Kirk to DK Metcalf. And you have to be on the higher side of that. I mean, you're talking about Debo Samuel as a guy who was a top three, top five receiver last year in the NFL you're talking about Deontay Johnson, a guy who can project to be that way. Um, so these are guys that deserve, deserve to get paid and are looking to get paid sooner than sooner rather than later. You know, honestly, I, I thought about this question a lot before the show and I was thinking to myself, I honestly don't think, and maybe I'm wrong here. I don't think that what DK Metcalf got in like this deal really has much to do with Deontay Johnson and Debo Samuel. Obviously there it's the market, but I never realized how much better of a wide receiver DK Metcalf has been his, his career in his first few years, as opposed to Debo and Deontay Johnson. You mentioned Debo Samuel. He had a great last year, last season, which is all fine and dandy. Sure. He he deserves the money, but both Deontay Johnson and and Debo Samuel do not have a full resume like DK Metcalf. And obviously DK Metcalf hasn't been phenomenal, but he's done a whole lot more than Deontay and, and Debo Samuel. So I'm not sure that this really does well, too much to those guys. Well, in the case of Deontay Johnson, and say I'm fair or not, the last couple of years with the Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, not being top notch, for him to do what he did is impressive in my opinion. 
And then when it comes to Debo Samuel, he's chasing his money now because what he did last year was what the San Francisco 49ers expected him to do his first two seasons, but unfortunately he got hurt. So now when you look at it like that, hey, you knew I was this capable when you signed me, when you kept me, and then I did it. I can't afford, one, if you're going to use me as a receiver and a running back, I can't afford to take these hits, get injured like this, and then you don't want to pay me ever again. So I understand him going to chase that money at this point in his career, even if the 49ers feel it's early, even if on this show we thought it was kind of early. But looking at it in that in that perspective, a guy who's been injured, a guy who when he was healthy showed the potential they believed and knows that he can do that again if he stays healthy, yeah, go get your money before it's too late. It's about getting the bag and in, in the NFL because you only yeah. have a short period of time to do so. So comparatively in that way, absolutely. But you're, you're right. Like what, Debo, what DK Metcalf has done, and now we'll see if the money is worth it going into a year where he's with the Drew Lockett and Geno Smith and not a Russell Wilson, and that will be a difference maker. Uh, we'll see if that paycheck, he got his money at the right time too. Now can Debo Samuel and Deontay Johnson get theirs before it's too late? Yeah. Uh, both of those guys should be slotted underneath a DK Metcalf. Uh, to Vinny's point, I think you do have to kind of bring up the resume. And I- I'm sorry, Debo has every right to want to m- more money, but the 49ers have every right not to want to pay him that money based on one good season. We've seen this too many times in the NFL where guy struggles early out of the gate, has a breakout year, and then he wants to get paid. And it's like, I don't know if I want to break my pockets based on one season. Show me you can pay, get two or three years of good quality production. Uh, for instance, Terry McLaurin. I've been on record saying Terry McLaurin hasn't been a gangbuster at wide receiver. Right. He's not putting up 14, 1,500 yards. But he's been consistent for three straight years of quality production, which is why he deserved to get paid what he did. Uh, I've been on the mindset the mindset of Debo Samuel does not deserve the money that he's looking for because of the fact that he hasn't done it consistently enough yet. He had a great yeah. year, but the injury is a real problem for him because of, of his style of play. Deontay Johnson, I'm almost there with him. He had two really yeah. good years the la- last couple of years. Um, I, I don't really factor in the quarterback play very much because guys like Terry McLaurin have done it without quarterbacks. Other receivers have been able to do it without quarterbacks. Deontay is almost there, uh, but I think he's maybe a year away from that if he does it again this year, I think then you get it. You can say, okay, give me that money. Um, DK Metcalf's upside is through the roof. We talked about this before. He has the upside of a top five wideout from a physical standpoint, from an ability standpoint. It, I, I think the deal makes sense. And for DK Metcalf, let's be honest, the deal was perfect for him. He only signs a three-year deal, which means yep. he gets another payday when he's 27 if, if he continues to produce. I thought it was a win-win for both teams. Uh, Seattle doesn't have to long-term invest in him if in two or three years – it's not working out, or maybe they've gone a different direction. They can cut ties and be clear. Um, I thought it was a win-win all the way around. I thought so too. Just, just real quick here. Um, I, I, I thought it was a great deal on Seattle's side, locking up a DK for three years. That buys them time for a young rookie quarterback to come in there and have at least a big target to throw to right away. And you're not throwing to nobody out there either. Lock it a little bit past his prime potentially in a year or two. You have a nice young wide receiver, talented, a freak out there in DK Metcalf and could be a, a, a target for one of those young guys that come in. I, I yeah, really like guys. Uh, just the two sentences. I think you guys crushed it from, uh, you know, business perspective. Uh, mine strictly came from what the players are thinking. And I, I completely agree with what the 49ers, the Seahawks and the Steelers uh, should be doing at this point in time. I really, I really like, I really like the sheriff's uh, comment in here. Brings up a very good point. Service yeah. level looks like the biggest hit on the DK money is this year too, which is smart. 
I like that. I like that idea because obviously this is a year that they're just talking up. Okay. Like we're just growing this year and then they can say, okay, now we can pay him little by little in the following years to be able to put the pieces around DK and around the quarterback position to be able to, to have something special in the future. I think Seattle is doing everything right. There's one other note that I wanted to bring up for headlines and morning stories. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, uh said uh they 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 logged off they said game over we're not gonna do this uh we're not gonna we're gonna take back we're god damn it take backsies they they took it back they took back the clause that said kyler murray has to watch film in his contract or they they went back on their word i i don't get it i don't if this is the most confusing weird thing i've ever seen in sports where this is a clause and now they're gone they've gone back on it because it made everyone look bad it's just a mess aaron your thoughts this is an embarrassment it's an embarrassment it, it's further proof why the arizona cardinals organization has been a shit show for such a long time i, I don't know who decided to do the contract i don't know if that was a steve kind thing i don't know if that's the owner the fact of the ma- the fact the statement itself made me so mad and I was reading it on the way over here. <laughs> the fact that they retract it because of the outrage or the, the backlash that they received, all they did by retracting it was make more of a controversy by doing it. It would have been a lot easier just to deal with the initial consequences, come out and say, hey, we're not questioning Kyler's ability no. to, to study off the field, but this is what's in his contract. We're moving forward. We're ready for to Instead, they backtrack it and now it makes them look like an inept and incompetent organization like they've been over the past few seasons, really a, a long time now. To me, this is just bad business. If you yep. had it in there, then leave it in there. Kyler signed it, was ready to sign it. Who cares who's questioning it? You obviously put it in there for a reason. So now you get bad publicity and you take it back. And then the publicity now is going to be, you're a shit organization. You don't know what you're doing. You still have to deal with that outrage. To me, this is just an embarrassment. It's so embarrassing as an organization at that level. I'm talking about the NFL to do something like that. Um, I, I laughed when I saw it. And I'm like, dude, this, yep, is, same. this is totally the Arizona card. It's not about what's in the package. It was how you wrapped it. I mean, if everyone yelled that shit, we'll come out and just say, hey, look, we understand Kyler. We know he's the top-notch quarterback. That's why we paid him this money. This clause is not about saying you aren't doing it, so we're going to give you the money hoping you prove us right. This clause is that we want him to be the best possible he can be for himself and for this organization. So you were watching 10 hours of study at home? Cool. Give us four more. You know, let's let's see that happen. What can we do to make you the top quarterback in the league so the next time the contract comes up, one, it's not with another franchise, and two, we can pay you more and get you all that guaranteed money like I was saying he should have gotten in the first place. I agree. It's bad business. It, it looks horrible. I agree yeah. with Aaron's point. It shows a lack of professionalism from the Arizona Cardinals side. And, and sorry if that's a little bit blunt, but I, I think it does. I mean, you get bullied on the internet, like like Joe said. Yeah, I mean, the, the backlash in the internet's really changed your mind. Like, that's just stupid. Why, why would what you've said, if you want that in the clause, Kyler's going to be questioned about this the rest of his career. Just yeah, because of one little thing they did and they took it away, it doesn't matter if you took it away or not. People are going to remember. Hey, remember when he had that and then we bullied them to take it away? Yeah. Well, that shows I, a lack I, of professionalism. Even, you got to stand by your decision if you do something that drastic. Even when Kyler's going now, now that, like, in the past, and we've seen it with like, guys like Juju Smith Schuster with like the TikTok thing, like, when you struggle, 
that's going to be the first thing that gets brought up. And yep. and you're the and this is much different than what Juju was because Juju's a wide receiver. This is the quarterback position we're talking about. And now every little thing that Kyler does wrong, it's going to come back to this whole gaming thing, and it really could cause a lot of problems in in a career path with with that. And, and you're right, it was an embarrassment from the Arizona Cardinals. Regard regardless of whether it's true, as far as maybe they want him to work harder, maybe he doesn't do it extra what regardless of any of that i mean he's not the first quarterback that people have questioned how much he puts in off the field right we, we michael vick made a career of it and he will even he came out and said it like but i didn't study film like i just played the game and and he regrets because he knows how great he could have been had he put in that extra work this only boils that this the only thing that matters now is the bad business like this shows you as an organization why you do not win and and i know that might be Again, a bit extreme, but organizations that win don't do this. They don't go back on what they on what their word was. Like you signed a contract, Tyler signed the contract, and then then it comes out. Oh well, they they felt like it was best that it, it was taken out. For what? For the people on the internet that are complaining. For every person that was complaining on the internet, there were us that were like whatever, justifying it or trying to you know to make it okay. And the people that you know complain the most speak the loudest. I guess you could say. Yeah. And uh, they they got to the the minds of the Arizona Cardinals organization. And that's bad for business. If you're running yeah, a multi-billion dollar yeah. industry and you are listening to Joe Blow Schmo, who's a fan of the Cardinals, who sits in his dungeon or his mom's basement and bangs wow. his head against the wall when the Cardinals lose, and you're listening to that guy, wow. you're in trouble. Drinking Labatt Blue. <laughs> drinking oh, drinking, oh, yeah, no. drinking Labatt Blue. <laughs> Drink responsibly. Drink responsibly. I didn't I didn't even notice this here. Um, but AJ, you you put it you put this B-roll in here. I didn't even have it in my in my notes to to talk about. But Ryan Jensen of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh carted off during Bucks practice today, uh not looking good. Uh the earlier reports coming out of Tampa. This is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers anchor on the offensive line and Tom Brady's number one guy. This is a huge. No, wait, 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 wait. I'm not trying to interrupt. Play that clip again. I know we're not just going to overlook the throw by Tom Brady. I know we're not just going to overlook that awful throw by Tom Brady. Hopefully, hopefully he saw his guy go down and just threw it in the dirt because that throw was atrocious. And if that's the Tom Brady we're getting in 2022, I don't have any concerns about Ryan Jensen. I have concerns about Tom Brady. I'll get this. You can't hear the audio, but just before the release, there's a huge just like just loud as hell and, and but you're right hey with with what's going on now no no marpet no kappa no jensen that might be the throws you see and his entire interior is about to be second second string to start the season so in the f word right yeah i, I mean the clip goes on and i mean he's like he doesn't like lay into somebody but like if he, you can read his body language and he's talking to somebody and, and it kind of feels like and this is all assumption from looking at the video kind of seems just like he's like what the what the hell are you doing man like yeah i mean you're playing you're playing right you're doing what you need to do i'm sorry but like it's unfortunate it happens and just sucks right, that remember Ryan came back. And, probably yeah. because tom brady came back yeah i, I do think they'll be okay um they still they, they got Shaq Mason. They traded for Shaq Mason. They still got Tristan Wirfs. Uh, Stinney's still there. Donovan Smith. Like they drafted Luke Gudecki. I know we're not fans of, of him necessarily, <laughs> um, but I, I think they'll be okay. Having the center be gone is a big deal. Yeah. Um, 
always, and especially one of, of his caliber. But if a few more guys, yeah, they lose a guy or two, then then you could really be talking, especially from an immobile quarterback. And I mean him. Hey man, we saw him rush a lot last year. Okay, yeah, he, he, we saw him have some some good play or two man, of hey, rushing. That man looks like yeah, we all know the gift, right? Where the old man's playing in the flag football league and he's <laughs> like watching him run. Right now, I don't know who's faster, Tom Brady or Julio Jones. I'm, oh man, hey Julio Jones rocking a new number, by the way, eighty-five in Tampa. Rocking the Ew. eighty-five. They have wow. racing. They have senior citizen racing races on the Tampa Bay uh, oh, training camp. Oh my goodness, it's Julio goodness. versus Tom Brady. Right. Oh, I better hope the rest of the NFL league, league is. You better hope the rest of the league is still doing that. Oh, he's the greatest quarterback. Let's not kill him. You know, we gonna hit him, but let's not kill him because they they might be no getting sympathy. to him this season. These, these young cats don't care, man. These young cats no, want to hurt. Them. Yeah, yeah. They they want to they want to claim that they sacked and hit Tom, and rocked I'm the Tom guy Brady. That Achilles. <laughs> yeah, that that does it though for our morning headlines. We're about to get into our AFC South training camp deep dive. But AJ, please do the world a favor and tell them where they can follow us at. Ladies and gentlemen, did you know it's a really gone? Here we go. It goes again. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. You know where to find us at? At Sack City Pod. Just beautiful content. We're implementing shorts. You fellas know what those are? They're uh, short little videos that are on YouTube, also Instagram, and they're now on Facebook after a dump today. Um, Yeah, they're all over the place. Be sure to check it all out. Content galore, football's back, training camp's back, pads are popping. Good morning, Sac City. Wednesday to Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern, and hey, maybe at 10 p.m., even on an evening like tonight. How about that? Good morning, Sac City. Good evening, Sac City. Hashtag GMSC. We got that action, folks. Hey, Dylan just big time. Dylan, Dylan just big time. He did. Wait, when AJ's mic goes out, it's my social read. Wow. I didn't hear you step I in. I was it. going fast. I don't understand. <laughs> it's so annoying. You need to adjust. Hey, we're <laughs> real. We're real. We're a real team here, though. We're a real team here. That's what happens when one guy goes down, someone steps up, and sometimes up someone else steps up because you know what? We're just trying to do big things here in the city. Let's move on here to our first team of the AFC South and their training camp underway. It is the Tennessee Titans. Uh, day two of their training camp has kicked off, and or what was yesterday? Well, today going to be weird getting into this uh their training camp is underway though they spent a whole lot of time working in individual drills on thursday a lot of walkthroughs uh part of the acclimation period at the start of camp things are expected to get more intense in the coming days and i want to note something here there's a lot of players rehabbing in tennessee there's a lot of players coming back from injury you got robert woods you got caleb farley you got Traylon burks trying to figure out what the hell he's doing but Robert Woods without the knee brace, Caleb Farley doing a lot of drills, looking good during camp. Things are on the rise for the Tennessee Titans in terms of health. But Aaron, I'm going to start with you here. This offense last year kind of had uh, some hits, a lot of highs, a lot of lows. This, it felt like a roller coaster with the Tennessee Titans. They somehow found ways to win, but their offense was just meh. I feel like what does the offense need to look like this year? And especially in training camp to be more than just meh. It boils down to Ryan Tannehill. You look at when they've been most productive, 
when they've been kind of clicking on all the cylinders. It was in 2020 and 2019 when he took over, going seven and three and then 11 and five the, the following year. A guy that wasn't turning the ball over, a guy that was throwing touchdown passes, that was efficient, completing 70% of his passes. Like they need that Ryan Tannehill, a guy that make, that's making plays, even a guy that's getting out of the backfield and scrambling a little bit more. We didn't see that last year. I think this year, Ryan Tannehill needs to get back to that form or that offense is in trouble again. Two years in a row, he threw um, almost 30 touchdowns one year, 33 touchdowns another year, six and seven interceptions respectively. And then last year, he throws 21 touchdowns to just – or to 14 interceptions. Uh, those, ra- those ratios aren't going to cut it for that offense. They don't have enough playmakers on the outside to overcome Ryan Tannehill turning the football over. They don't have enough weapons outside of a Derrick Henry – we're looking for a Traylon Burks to come in and have an impact. We're hoping Robert Woods can come back from an ACL injury. Uh, we're not even sure who those three, four, and five guys are. You get Austin Hooper now in the mix. That should help you over the middle. But the older Derrick Henry gets, the more Ryan Tannehill has to do, right? We can't continue to put that on Derrick Henry to carry that offense. It's going to be him getting back to form like he was two or two years ago and uh, making big plays. Well, they had Ric Flair come out, so that helps. Hey, my, my boy, my boy, my boy, uh, Corey Carter, who we did a, a camp, a training camp thing on, or a, a, a camp was a, has a videos with them posted of all things. They're just like, woo! And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Ric Flair is like 150 years old. Yeah. He, he, he's wrestling. He's wrestling on Saturday. Yeah, he is. He is um, wrestling on is he? Saturday. He's, to, he's like in his 70s, so, right? So you'll get you'll get this. He's actually wrestling Jeff Jarrett. Double oh, J wow. Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So he's that's the thing. It's a it's a it's he, tag match. He, okay, there's there's two. Say, there's, is he bringing the fucking the freaking guitar. Whoa. He will probably bring the guitar. Yes. So it's like it's like Jeff Jarrett's doing double duty. He's actually the special guest referee at SummerSlam too. It's a wild time in the wrestling world. So, but so I you know one of them is the dolls old. behind you. That none of them are the dolls behind me. Nope, no, none of them are the dolls. Seventy-three years yeah. old. So I say he's in the seventh. 73 years young is the proper term. But AJ, I'm going to go to you next on this last. And this is a, this is on the opposite spectrum, uh, up opposite side of the spectrum for Ric Flair. It's going from one old geezer to the youngin in Malik Willis, his first training camp with the Tennessee Titans. What do you want to see from Malik Willis in his first year of camp? You know, uh, in a way, Malik Willis kind of has it a little easier than some of the other rookie quarterbacks that came into the league because I don't think they have the intention of putting him in until Ryan Tannehill really shows either one he's injured or he can't get it done. Uh, I want to I want to see Malik Willis learn the system. I want to see him come along. The talent's not a question. A guy who put up 27 touchdowns through the air, almost a thousand yards rushing, another 13 touchdowns on the ground. It's about can you learn this offense? Can you understand what the what the defense is going to be giving you when you're sitting on the sidelines and watching? Uh, there's two people you are competing with if you're Malik Willis. Logan Woodside and yourself. Because if they beat out Logan Woodside, that's a roster spot for somebody else. If you and you're focused on what you can do to learn this system and bring this team along and gain the respect of your guys in the uh, locker room, then you're in, a, you're in a good spot. If you end up being number three, you're just kind of wasting another spot because they will, I do believe they will roster him if they also think that Logan Woodside is the actual backup. And I don't think that's going to happen. I think he will take the number two spot and then that Logan Woodside hits that practice squad and they get somebody else that they can fill that in. Uh, but as far as it goes, let me see your mechanics. Let me see you learn that. Let me see you get better with your accuracy. Uh, don't worry so much about the talent. It's already there. You need to learn the game of the NFL. 
I heard Logan Woodside's name too much there for my yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I can <laughs> listen. Uh, spit a ball. I'm gonna be honest. I, I am very, very worried for Malik. Um really? he's not going to start in Tennessee for at least two seasons. He's not starting this year, and he's not starting next year, barring some injury to Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill's making way too much money for them just to put him on the bench. Um, I think they look at Malik Willis as a project. And I, I've seen this too many times in the NFL. When you're not drafted high, like if he was drafted as a high draft pick, I know he gets the opportunity. When you're not drafted high, you don't always get that shot if you're not developing. And with the limited reps he's going to get in practice, the once training camp's over, Malik Willis is not taking snaps. He's not going to take snaps during the regular season. He's not taking snaps in practice. They have to give those reps to Ryan Tannehill, which means he can only learn by soaking in knowledge from Ryan Tannehill. And I'm sorry. Tannehill is an okay NFL quarterback. That's not the best guy that I want to soak up my knowledge from because he's not that great of a passer himself. So I worry that Malik Willis is going to get lost in the shuffle here. I really do. For a long, I, I liked the spot initially where he went. I'm like, oh, he might have a chance to play. But then I'm thinking, not benching Ryan Tannehill. They've been too successful no. with him making a- AFC title games and w- going in the playoffs and number one seed. And then they're going to let his contract play out because they don't want to bench him and pay him. So it's after next year. By that time, if Malik Willis hasn't taken a jump, you're either saying, okay, we're starting from scratch with him, or there's somebody else that's come along that you might be able to just put in and and, and that's already grabbed those reins or had somebody else come in and, and perform better. So I worry he gets lost in the shuffle in Tennessee. Uh, I've seen this before. He could end up being one of those backups that never play in his first location and needs an opportunity somewhere else in order to Who's to say this isn't a Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts situation? But you'd probably need an injury to Tannehill for the that. Differ- the difference was Carson Wentz, the difference was Carson Wentz had already had friction in Philly. You know what I mean? So the, the Nick Foles situation that happened in Philly caused Carson Wentz and, you know, that organization to kind of start butting heads. I don't think you ever have that situation if Carson Wentz wasn't complaining about it. So that's the difference where Ryan Tannehill has had nothing but good relationship with Tennessee and Let's be honest, he's performed good enough to win the division, be an AFC number one seed in the AFC, get to a, a, a you know, win playoff games. I think this yeah. is more about Malik Willis being a project, uh, like a, I think a heavier project than maybe we anticipated because he fell in that draft, went from almost first yeah. round pick, we thought, to just fall and fall and fall. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, okay, why are teams passing up on him? I think him as a project. Yeah, uh, he might come in there, and and that's the that's the thing. Like that's why I don't think you worry about a Ryan Tannehill if you're Malik Willis this year. That's 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 my point. You know, you're in training camp to learn this offense and make sure that you are the guy that they think about when the time comes. Uh, the the training camp battle they have said is pretty clear. Like Logan Woodside has been there; he knows it. They may they may choose him over Malik Willis. That's I scary. doubt it. As I said, exactly. That, that's that's a scary statement when you draft yeah. a quarterback like that was praised like Malik Willis was, that when you come in, Logan Woodside is already got an upper hand on you. And i am be honest, I don't know nothing about Logan Woodside. Not a thing. You guys? Not <laughs> a thing. I know that. Well, you know. I know they were like, he knows the system a little bit, so let's see if uh, Malik Willis can dethrone him. And that's, you know, that's, that's where scary. that's where they were sitting at. 
He's I mean, it's young though. You're, I mean, you're talking about you're talking about a guy that who's come in in rookie minicamp and they they've looked at the talent. That's the first thing, you know. You, you drafted him for the talent. Now let's come in and see what he can do live, you know. And he he's he's made the throws. He's made the the athletic move, mobility and the movements so on and so forth. Now it's where's your mentality? Now it's how do you learn the game? Now you're in training camp, and now it's become a little bit more real. The talent has to be set aside. We know that's there. Can you pick up the system? Yeah, I can't wait to watch show him it. play. It's preseason. Can the talent? Do you think? Do you think the talent can just win out like to enough to a point? Not, not a Ryan Tannehill point. I don't think that's no. I don't no, think that's I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, it, it can. I but not having NFL experience and being raw is hard, man. Yeah. And those guys, I I don't want to compare the two, but I equate that like I was a big Kellen Mond fan. Then I watched him play yeah. and, and some play a little bit. I'm like, dude, this dude doesn't look like an NFL quarterback right now. Sometimes it can be so overwhelming from guys that come from like a Malik Willis has come from. They didn't play the greatest talent, hasn't seen certain things. Even if you have the tools, I, I just I, I worry, man. I, I'm I'm going to be eager to watch him that first preseason game, see what he looks like. Cause you'll know. You'll know if like, okay, he's gonna yeah. win that number based on like yeah. I said, pure talent. Logan Woodside made Deontay Johnson look good in college. Or vice versa. Well, we see one of what one, one of them is doing in the league right now, and we see what the other is. So that's that that'll tell you there. Uh, I I forgot to drop this graphic to start the show before we really got into this, but I have something very special for the three of you in terms of a graphic. Last year I did these more often, and I haven't done it enough this year, although training camp did just start. But it's the training camp stats, okay? This is the stats that you need in life. These are your quarterback stats right here. Ryan Tannehill, man, 11 for 11 so far in training camp. He's doing hot, red hot. <laughs> All right. Camp stats, All right. I love them. You, you, took, you honestly just took our great show that's going to the moon, that, that is taking all <laughs> – Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. Hey, I have controls too. I have controls too. We all have control of this. You're you're degrading our show by actually taking wait, the time wait, to make wait, a graphic. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I'm degrading the show, and we're bringing up Logan fucking Woodside. Oh, how many? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Logan Woodside is an I'm NFL player. Nobody cared that Trevor Lawrence stood back there with no <laughs> defense and threw the ball 18 times to play yeah, Texas. Nobody cares. That, that isn't including his red. That, it, <laughs> no, hold on, that isn't I, including Trevor Lawrence's terrible red zone efficiency today in camp. <laughs> I didn't put that in there. I, I brought up Tom Brady, Dylan. The only reason I brought up Tom Brady is because I knew we were running out of time on morning headlines, and I knew it would be a laughable moment. And so we can get through the segment quicker. That's oh, called that. wow. he's the greatest quarterback of all time. You don't make that throw in training camp or in the real life. I don't want to hear that. All right, let's <laughs> let's move on to the Indianapolis Colts. Their training camp is also underway. They spent their first day of camp switching over to their indoor practice facility because of rain. But there's one thing that I noticed that is a big quote from the Indianapolis Colts and and uh, and Frank Reich. He brought up that the past two practices ended 10 minutes early each day. And he was talking about the fact that the tempo 
from Matt Ryan and this offense is speeding everything up. He said, this is a direct quote from my boy, my boy, Frank Reich here. Okay. He said, we are dictating tempo from the huddle to the ball and we are going. Ryan told me at the start, I'm going to push the tempo. And I said, we'll follow your lead. The tempo of this team in training camp, at least it seems a whole lot different than what it was under Carson Wentz, Aaron. I don't know the game as well as you do. How important is it to have that fast tempo during the season? That's a great question. Like the way you phrase that question just saved the Indianapolis Colts for me. Extremely important to have tempo. Offense, and any offense that can dictate tempo is going to have an advantage over a defense. We've seen this before. And tempo isn't always about getting to the line of scrimmage and snapping the ball, right? It's sometimes getting out of the huddle so your quarterback of Matt Ryan's caliber, who has, you know, extreme tenure in the league that knows how to read a defense, can read a defense, change the play, get into the right formation, get guys going on on the outside where they need to go, Check, making sure the running backs know where to block on third down. That's what the tempo does. It's not just about being in a hurry-up offense. I said this for many, many years. If you come to the line of scrimmage with eight seconds left on the play clock, good luck. The defense has probably got an advantage. If you come out with 15 seconds, now your quarterback can read what the defense is doing. And if you have a quarterback as great as Matt Ryan, now you have the advantage. With all that being said, this statement makes me yawn in training camp. It, it does. Because guess what you're not doing in training camp a lot of the time? You're not running the football as much as the Colts are going to run the football. Right? With Jonathan Taylor, which is obviously going to be a slower offense when you run the football that way. Um can they speed up their offense? Yes, they were they were bottom half of the, of the league and amount of plays run on the offensive side of the football. They can speed those things up. I anticipate them doing that, but in training camp, I'm your practice ending fifteen minutes earlier, ten like yay, cool, <laughs> whatever. I don't think that has anything to do with the tempo of the offense. It might be the tempo of the practice or the urgency in which they are trying to play, uh, which expresses goes to Matt Ryan's That's... leadership. So those are good things, but. The training camp aspect of like the offense is going to be some fast paced offense coming in the league. I, I don't buy that, but I do get where he's. I think from. it really is. And the, the reason why I really even pulled up that quote was because of the end. It's just like Matt Ryan told Frank Reich, Hey, I'm going to push the tempo. And he responded, we'll follow your lead. Like this, the leadership of Matt Ryan is really coming in and just changing this entire team. I feel like I, I, I don't, I don't recall how the leadership and everything went really with Philip Rivers. I don't remember really diving in too deeply with it, but I remember what it was with Carson Wentz and it was a real problem. It's a big game changer to have Matt Ryan there now to be able to lead the charge. I just realized, Dylan, you are an absolute clown. Yes, he has a Colts hat on. It's about respect, Vinny. It's about respect. The players respect Philip Rivers. The players respect Matt Ryan. I'm not saying they don't, none of them have respect for Carson Wentz. But when you come over with the crap that Carson Wentz had been going through and do, dealing with and bad relationships in, in the locker room with teammates, and stuff like that, players will lose respect. Players come are a little bit more skeptical about you, and you have to earn that respect. And if you're considered to be some selfish, self-centered guy that only cares about yourself, it's harder to get that respect. And I think that's really what you see. Matt Ryan gained garnered that respect, uh, maybe unlike yeah. a Carson. Yeah. yeah. On the defensive side of the boat, on the defensive side of the ball, Dylan, Chris Ballard came out and said one of the biggest position battles he was looking forward to most in camp was safety. 
What does that position actually look like during camp? And what do you see happening with the Indianapolis Colts? I see more battles, boys. I see more battles in this position room. And then Frank Wright hit the nail on the head there. Uh, Julian Blackman, really the only one you could say is going to be a starter on this defense. This was a third round pick in 2020. Had a great first year in the NFL, had two picks. Actually stepped up, started a lot of games in his first year in Indianapolis after being drafted in the third round. Then you go into year two. He tears, he tears his Achilles right before week six. Misses the rest of the season. He's healthy. He's a full go. He should be ready. He's practicing right now and should be the one safety in that room that you could really look at and say, all right, free safety's taken care of. They lost Kari Willis. They lost George Odom, lost Andrews and Deho, but they drafted Nick Cross into the third. He was the fastest, uh, fastest 40 time out of all the safeties in the combine this year. They love his athleticism. They think he could play all around the ball um, and be that, be a strong safety piece uh, on that defense. And they also brought in Rodney McLeod, uh, Armani Watts as well. McLeod started 13 games for Philly, two picks last year, sort of that veteran presence. I think him and Nick Cross will battle it out to see who will start in that position. Kind of like Jacksonville a few years ago when they had their good defense. They had the veteran in Barry Church as a strong safety, also drafted Ronnie Harrison, wanted to see how those two would battle and see which one would take the reins of that position. Looking at Watts, he's more of a special teams guy, not really going to get much out of him. Also one weird name to think of. I've been, I've been throwing this someone to look for every single time here. Marcel Debo, he's from Germany, uh, one of those international players that you could bring over. Um, he, he's also in their secondary at a, in, in, as a safety. Very athletic. They love him in camp so far. But once again, I expect a really healthy season from Julian Blackman and a battle between Cross and McLeod to see who takes that uh, strong safety job. Love Cross. You guys, I, I love Cross. I mentioned him when we talked about him in the draft. He's already listed, I believe, as their starter. Um, but I don't know how we talked about the Colts defense and didn't mention their best players in Shaquille Leonard. Are we not going to talk about how Darius Leonard does not want to be called Darius wants Leonard go, anymore? Wants he to go wants by to his middle name. Shaquille? Darius Doink is gone. Like, what is it with these now people? The Shaq strip? Yeah, what are you going to call him? Oh, the, 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 the Shaq strip. strip? Like a chicken strip, but like a Shaq no, strip. It's not Shaq. Did he say Shaq? He doesn't want Shaq. It's Shaquille. He said Yeah. So, like, I don't. I don't get it. Now, now you know what? He's well, no longer the best, one of the best linebackers in football because Darius Leonard was. But Shaquille Leonard yeah. has not proven to be the best. So he has to I will, prove it all I will over say there, was, there was one other note from Colts camp that I kind of took away from this. And as a former, as a Jags fan, it's like hearing his name, it makes me yeah. upset because I really liked him. Yannick Ngakwe has been mm-hmm. tearing up Colts, has been looking very good in Colts camp. Obviously, it's just training camp. It right. is what it is. But oh, he's great. Donnie Gakway is the best strip sack the guy there is in the, the league. league. The guy just and and one of the notes that I saw is that Yannick Ngakwe is really trying to make a home in Indianapolis, whereas he has been everywhere. <laughs> he has been in Jacksonville and Las Vegas and Baltimore. He has been all Wouldn't over. Never buy and a house if I was him. <laughs> yeah, ho- hopefully he can. Hopefully he can find a home in Indianapolis, and he's been looking good in camp. So Colts fans have that to look forward to. Let's move on to the Houston Texans. They are one of the few teams that have not actually kicked off training camp. So we do not have any reports coming from their way, but it is going to be a (laughs) dip. Something funny down there, Giggly Bits? Yeah, I'm confused. 
They should have let Houston start training camp back in March. I was wondering they, the same they, thing. They need the most practice. And why, why are they waiting to start? They need to be the ones first in line. <laughs> I was I was wondering the same thing. And like how That's I don't wild. how does it maybe maybe you guys will be able to answer this question because I don't know. How does the training camp like based who on can, schedule? It's based on like when you start your games and stuff. That's why the Raiders and the Jaguars open first because they have that first game. Oh, okay. So there's so sense. many. Yeah, there's okay. a, there's a time frame for each. Yeah, so it's just when you play and and all that. Don't teams yeah, with that, new that head coaches sense. get to go early too, though? I I thought that when you had a new head coach, you get playing. Yeah, Dougie P. Mister. Uh... Yeah. The Jack the Jaguars and Raiders open camp first because they play the preseason next game weekend. August. No, August fourth next weekend or it's next Thursday. Tomorrow, next, literally next week. down by twenty. Well, too bad they don't play. There is a calendar on which and start when and base and why. So um, it's not like Houston has a choice to, to start when they want to start. Well, I'm just saying, if I'm the NFL, hey, Houston, hey, Jacksonville, hey, guys, y'all suck. Get out there in, in June and start getting to work. That's all. Well, let's, let's dive into Texans camp, though, because this is one of our really our few teams that we can actually say we are previewing their camp. New offensive coordinator Pep Hamilton is taking over. <laughs> AJ, what should we expect to see in this offense? I I love Pep Hamilton, man. He's a he's a great coach. Like he's a players coach. Players love him. Uh, I mean, out of the NFL, you can go back and when he was coaching the XFL when they were showing those games, his players are always rallying around him. We talk about energy. Pep Hamilton brings that to the players. But what he also brings is a familiarity with with Davis Mills. He was a quarterback's coach last year, and they really kind of hit it off and made some strides. Uh, he really got to him at the end of the season. Davis Mills, I think it was uh, – I know it was three of the last five games, had multiple touchdowns, was throwing over 65% of his uh, uh, completion percentage. But the other thing, too, is that Davis Mills has the familiarity with the Stanford offense. Uh, he, he, he was working with David Shaw for the past two years with him, and this offense is something that Davis Mills is very, very familiar with. Uh, last season's in uh, – Stanford, it was, what was it, 3,468 yards, 18 touchdowns in 13 games. This is some stuff that he's familiar to. So Pep Hamilton, on top of being familiar with Davis Mills as a quarterback coach, now comes in as an offensive coordinator, has familiarity with the players. The guys love him because he knows how to use their skill sets. Now, with all that being said, it's still the Texans. So I think they're going to make strides. I think we're going to see Davis Mills make strides this year. And I think Pep Hamilton will have a decent amount uh, to do with that with that improvement. Now that we're back on live television, we're able to answer these type of questions. And I know Bailey's been dying to ask these questions live. <clears throat> Over under 20 touchdowns for Davis Mills this year, AJ. If he if he's healthy the whole season, over. 23, 24 touchdowns. So just just, just barely. Okay, got it. Yeah, I don't think he's going it. gangbusters. And if, if he does, yeah, congrats. No. But yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I did see that. I did see your boy, uh, Dylan, your boy, Rex Burkhead, ended up talking about how how excited he is to have Pep Hamilton as, as his new offensive coordinator, bringing a lot of changes, a lot of movement, a lot of special type of plays to spice up uh, this offense. And I say your boy, Rex Burkhead, because, well, the infamous <laughs> That's fantasy football started. incident. <laughs> that is what got us started. Flag. Rex Burkhead, Rex Burkhead said they're going to be running. Yeah, he said that they were going to be running like some the, – the, the offense is going to be – I can't remember the exact quote, but he said the offense is going to keep moving and it's going to be a, a faster pace. They're running Stanford's offense. Yeah. It's a West Coast offense. It'll be a dink and dunk passing game and then incorporate some vertical routes. 
stuff to get the ball deep to guys like Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins. But it's not going to be special by any means. This is this is an offense that's going to be to protect Davis Mills from making. I, I tell you, every time I hear sure. Pep Hamilton, I think of his days with the Indianapolis Colts, and that was just those were sad times with that offense. But obviously, <laughs> he's in the corner, and he's not. Come it's, come a I, it's not a. It's it's no no no. You're you're absolutely right. It's not it's not some some new innovative offense. It literally is a West Coast offense, short passing game. They incorporate a, a few vertical routes, but it's going to be designed so Davis Mills doesn't have yeah. to do too much doesn't have to worry about making mistakes. And yes, that will help them as a team, but it could prevent them. Like it's going to prevent them from winning football games. It's not going to, he's not going to let Davis Mills just air it out. And, and that could prevent them from capturing wins, but it'll protect him and, and just his growth as a quarterback. Um, I think that's where that comfort level. Wait a minute, fellas. Now, now, this is just strange. Has he had a Stanford quarterback at every stop? Andrew Luck. 2016 was Kevin Hogan, and now he's got Davis Mills. Guess so. <laughs> Sounds like it. Odd, uh, yeah. Odd. I mean, the fact that you said Hogan was in there. I just... <laughs> that's, that's, that's a, that is an interesting <laughs> note. But their new their new head coach in Houston is obviously Lovey Smith. And the Houston Texans, we were raving about how they had a very good draft headlined by uh, Derek Stingley and, and uh, what was it, Jalen Petrie uh, being on the back end of it for this team. Lots of new faces. Aaron, how does this defense look as a whole heading into camp? Ooh, um, I love the defense. And the reason I say the love, I love the defense for a couple of reasons. We're not just talking about the personnel that they've added, right? We're talking about a defensive-minded head coach, a guy that has had great defenses in the past, and I think that's going to play here. He knows what it takes to put a good defense on the field. Everything that I've heard, and again, this was this was AJ. Shout out to AJ. Everything I've heard about Jalen Petrie is that this dude is a different breed of football player. He's versatile. He's a leader. He's like wise beyond his years that he's going to come in and make an impact for that defense right away. And to have a quarterback on your defense for that, that defense that's so young right now is important for them. Then you get the talent of a Derek Stingley Jr. Who obviously we still need to see what they do or what he's able to do coming back after not playing for a while. But I, I like the foundation that they've, they've done. They've incorporated a lot of young talent with some guys that have played football before the friction Christian Kirksey's of the world. I know Malik Collins is, been kind of up and down over the you know past few seasons, but a guy, a guy that's played football a long time. Um, I like the the kind of mixture that they've put together of veterans with young players to kind of incorporate what what they want to do on the defensive side of the football. I'm excited for them defensively more so than I am offense. Yeah. I think the weapons on offense are few and far between. Right, we're talking about Brandon Cooks, and you're hoping. Something, I mean, John Metchie's now not playing. You're hoping maybe you get a, a, somebody on uh, Marlon yeah. Mack to stand out or something like that. But outside of a Brandon Cooks, what do they have weapon-wise that we're like, you know what, that guy's going to show up? Um, so that scares me. So, but their defense, it, it's, it looks formidable in, uh, the way it's currently. 
a lot of developing has to go down in Houston to be able to get them to the next step. Um, but we'll see their training camp obviously kicks off today. Today, if you're watching us on Friday, tomorrow, if you're watching us live on Facebook right now, let's move on to our final team of the AFC South South. And it is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Their camp has been going on strong. Uh, day four was Thursday. They're entering day five on Friday. It was a very spirited uh, training camp on Thursday with full pads and a lot of high-pressure situations in the red zone for Trevor Lawrence on Thursday. He looked good. Uh, he looked so-so in the red zone. His red zone efficiency wasn't that great, which caused a lot of concern for Jack. I don't want to say a lot of concern because it's just training camp, but I did see a lot of Jaguars fans comparing Trevor Lawrence's training camp in the red zone Thursday to his poor red zone efficiency during the season and concerning themselves with that. I don't think if you're a Jags fan watching this, I don't think you really need to worry about that at all. But one thing that is a highlight of the Jaguars training camp is their defense has been looking very good again, just training camp, but their defense has been making a lot of plays. AJ, what players are you looking at in this Jaguars defense to take big steps forward this season? Well, the first one is Tyson Campbell. Uh, I think he's a guy that they've been looking at who needs to kind of, who needed to grow a little bit in the, uh, in the defensive world in the NFL. And I think he's shown that he can do that. They're very high on him right now. He's been playing with a lot of energy, a lot of instinct and kind of trusting himself a little bit more than he has in the past. Uh, they're, they're really high on him right now. He's been breaking stuff up, making Trevor Lawrence look like he has to go back to the, to the drawing board a few times. Uh, so Tyson Campbell is one of those guys. And then all the, all the young players that they drafted this year that we're really excited about. About. I know they're just rookies, but, you know, in, in Jacksonville, the young players on the defense has normally been the highlight. You think about when Josh Allen was there. You think about back when, you know, they had a Jalen Ramsey and all those guys. So now you look at a Devin Lloyd who we were – shocked went there you look at a chad muma you know uh vinny's favorite guy the muma and of course number one pick uh, trayvon walker so uh these young guys are going to get an opportunity to play early and often and i think if they can if they can make some strides and develop throughout one training camp and of course throughout the season you might be back to that point where you're banking on your defense as your offense comes along now i'm not going to say they're going to be the best defense in the NFC south but i do think that they have the potential to develop quickly and be a formidable defense again in a few seasons. I'm, I, I know I'm normally, I have not really been diving in too much on these certain questions, but like, I am very excited and very interested to see what, how this linebacking group for the Jacksonville Jaguars kind of takes shape. Obviously you just mentioned a few of the big names there with Chad Muma and Devin Lloyd, but I mean, they brought in, there's a lot of new faces uh, in the, at the linebacker position for the Jags, obviously getting rid of miles. Jack is a huge hole to fill for the team in terms of leadership, but the Jaguars linebacking group and Dylan, you can attest to this ever since Paul, Paul plus Leslie left and really Telvin Smith left the Jaguars linebackers have not been, a bright spot on this defense. And I'm hoping now with this new group coming in, they did pay attention a lot in the draft to fixing it and in free agency to fixing it. It's going to be a big story. This, uh, this training camp, this preseason and this whole entire season on how this linebacking group can actually uh, perform and hopefully take the next steps uh, to having a successful defense again. Yeah, I think one point on that defense, I mean, bringing in a foyer, Luicon's huge. I think that guy can yeah. be a leader of your defense right yeah. there. I mean, he led the NFL in tackles last year. Like, that guy is just a tackling machine, and that's what you want out of a linebacker position, someone who can get to the ball carrier and make contact, and that's what he does. So I think that's good. Drafting a Devin Lloyd, 
they just need to stay healthy. I think that's another thing with the Jaguars defense the last few years. They haven't been able to stay healthy, and hopefully they can find a way to stay healthy because you get behind that, you're going to see Shaq Quarterman out there again. You're going to see all these guys that you saw last year that couldn't tackle, and Derrick Henry goes for 200, stiff arm and jackasses down the field, and you're going to have to live with it. So uh, it. hopefully they can stay healthy. I do like the revampness, and I think it's going to be a new-look defense. And I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't been this excited for a defense since we had everybody back in 2018-19. There's a lot of potential there. Potential turns into reality. I'll tell you right now, I think the biggest jump in the NFL is the Jaguars. I, I don't think you, you talked about, you talk about the tackling and they didn't just go out and get guys that tackle. They yeah, went out and got dogs that tackle. I know I've been, I, we're talking about a Khan who again, led the league in tackles. Tackling machine doesn't miss tackles very often. Tad Muma was a tackling machine in college. Devin Lloyd is just a all-around playmaker. And then you add that, obviously, with the number one overall pick and a Trayvon Walker, who is going to be designed to get to the quarterback more so than play in space. Uh, I, look, yeah. Josh Allen's still there. Uh, what's Fatukasi? Fatukasi yeah. up front. I, I think this defense, and let's not forget they added a Darius Williams in the back end to go along with the Shaquille Griffin, a Rayshon Jenkins. And I know, again, a hopefully improved Tyson Campbell, who is big. I was crying on him a couple of years ago, can play physical. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars defense takes the biggest stride out of any team in the league on the defensive side of the football. Now, again, I've said this before. Doesn't mean this translates to wins, but we've saw, we've seen teams like the, the Giants two years ago, yeah. especially where their defense was so good, but it their is- offense was so bad. They got, you know, it hurt them. I think the Jaguars are going to be a team like that. That if their offense can give them something, that yep. defense. And it, it really is. And you we talked about the tackling. Like that's been the biggest thing. And even as a Jags fan, you watch these games as the season progresses. It seems like the tackling just gets worse and worse. And it just seems like it, the guys just stop. I don't want to say having heart to play the game and just become lazy. But it seems at times, though, that there's just a lot of just kind of going through the motions as a defense. And I never want to assume that on somebody and put that on somebody, but it does seem like that. And it's very nice to see the Jaguars noticing that as a big problem and addressing that Uh, definitely bright days ahead for the Jaguars defense on the offensive side of the ball. James Robinson did not start the season on the pup list. Uh, Aaron, take us can you take us through what camp will look like for James Robinson? Obviously not on the pup list, but them kind of winning him back. What's training camp like for him? Uh, honestly, I'm not in a rush. If I'm Jacksonville, I'm not in a rush to get him back. We saw the recovery that a Cam Akers had, right? And look, I mean, this is a, a torn Ach- or ruptured Achilles is a bad injury. In five, 10 years ago, your career was over when you ruptured Achilles. So I- I'm not rushing him back. I don't think you need to lean on him early in the season. I'm looking for him to come back three or four weeks into the year. I'm not saying he can't play week one if, he, if he's cleared, but I'm not giving him full workloads week one. I'm easing him back into the season that hopefully by the middle of the season, he gets back to form and then you put him out there. You have the, the luxury now um, of having a Travis Etienne, regardless how we feel about that pick, you have that luxury now with another guy in the backfield that has, that is explosive, has talent, and you feel like you can get something out of but I'm not, I'm not rushing him back. I don't know if you can play that B-roll one more time because I want to see it. Um, he looks a little thick, looks a little slow, right? Like he looks like he's obviously the injury put on a little bit of weight to me, it looks like, but that's going to come with camp, right? That's going to be two, three weeks of just working out, getting your body back in shape, playing in a, 
in a game eventually, maybe week two, three, four, whatever down the line. Um, from Jacksonville, I'm not rushing this thing. You're you're not really in a team a team that is in a position yeah. that you need to just rush him back. Like you are trying to build something for the future. You don't want James James Robinson coming back week one, yeah, and then he's out again, and you're like you're yeah. right back to square one. So let him let him come back and ease at his own. There's so many things. Oh, okay. There are so many good things that can come with with doing that strategy with James Robinson, though. Like we talked about last night with uh, or yesterday with um, earlier this morning with Michael <laughs> Thomas and how we said with the you have Jarvis Landry there, you have a Chris Olave there to kind of take the load off of Michael Thomas and ease him back into things. You have Travis Etienne there to do that for James Robinson. And not only do you have that for James Robinson, but you're also now giving more reps to Travis Etienne, valuable reps with Travis Etienne to get used to this offense, to get used to playing with Trevor Lawrence again, to, to get into the rhythm of how things are going to go. So completely agree with you there. And we talk about it with we talked about it with other guys too, like Cam Akers when he came back. Uh, and we talk about the guys who tear their ACLs. It's about getting that confidence back too, you know. Like at, what it looks like right now is he's working on gaining acceleration back. I want to see him cut, you know. That's when I want to like really focus on what he's going to be able to do. I want to see him make moves. Like for now, it's about making sure you trust yourself and can trust yourself to do the skill set that they brought you in for. And sure, you can look at him as a bruiser, but he was also quick. He also had some shifty moves when he needed to. So uh, I, I definitely think he's the guy, like Doug Peterson said, when he's ready to be a full go, they're going to let him get that workload. But that doesn't mean it's week one or two. I think it's closer week five, six, seven, something like that. And that's a smart route to go. Also gives, gives yeah. reps to yeah. Snoop Connor and Raquel Armstead. And I know it sounds funny, but these are young guys that I think are going to be adequate enough. They're not going to have to play a primary role. Obviously, they're going to kind of want Etienne to do that. But it'll get them some experience. Right to, to get that kind of workload, and and I think that just helps Jaguars yeah. all together. Stupid yeah. guy. Uh, yeah. Quick, very quick. Fantasy implications for James Robinson. Obviously, him bumping up. Right. He's uh, he was going well. He was going. I think nothing's changed for me. Nothing's changed for me. I I, I as far as fantasy implications. I, I where I told you I had him before is where I as an RB two. Low end RB two RB flex okay. like a flex guy, and again, it's more about more about the time he's probably going to miss, if not time, the workload he's probably going to get to Fair start enough. the year, and then once he comes in, like I do think this is probably more of a 50-50 split uh, between him and Travis Etienne. Whether it's out of the backfield catching or rushing, I just think that the, the carries are going to be hard to 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 know what you're getting. So um, his upside is going to be capped yeah. because of that. But it's a guy that I think you can count on late in the season. Quick question. Yeah. Could we see like a Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara sort of work share? Something like that. Where you, James James Robinson might have 14, 15 carries. ETN might have nine. And, you know, more more work out of the back. But James Robinson might have the touchdown. You know, like it's he might end up being one of those guys that end up being touchdown dependent. I don't want to say it. But – he might because if they're not using him in the passing game, uh, those 14 carries are probably not going to be enough to be fantasy relevant. Unless he gets Fair enough. And hopefully the Jaguars do get in the end zone. All right, Dylan, I have a question listed here for you, but I'm also going to give you free range to talk about whatever you want with the Jaguars training camp and what you're looking forward to most with it. But one camp note that I wanted to talk to you about is today was not a very good day for <laughs> 
one position group and also one player. Evan Ingram and the uh, case of the drops were in full effect today. And obviously just training camp. We'll see how it goes through the season, but the drops were there and it actually led to an interception for Trevor Lawrence today during camp. But he was 18, 18. Uh, yeah, what happened to this 18 is in the for red 18? Zone. I, t- I told you, you post- in the red zone, I did not include his red zone stats. I did not include, include just the red zone stats. Mm-hmm. I told him. Mm-hmm. If you're going to give training camp stats, you're give the whole these training camp stats, Jesus These Christ. training camp stats here, what? these right here. <laughs> How are you going to show 18 for 18 and then say you hey, threw an interception only, in the red zone? People don't post and go out and normally post all of the training camp stats. So what I get is what I get, and I'm Bruh. putting them there, okay? He even shows a photo that made it look like he had the number 18 on it. Like, he was trying to go all in on that damn thing. <laughs> hey. Hey, I got to build my boy up. But okay, so no, Evan Ingram, full of the drops today. And then the kickers for the Jacksonville Jaguars missed a whole lot of kicks to the point where reporters were saying that they were not only missing kicks, but they were risking the lives of members of the media standing by the goalpost because they were missing them so bad. Dylan, your thoughts on those two things and the Jaguars training camp as a whole, the floor is yours. Beep, 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 beep. Overreaction button has been hit by Vinny. I mean, I know. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, I'm not reacting. Oh, my God, Vinny, let him talk. Just let him finish this soliloquy. Don't shoot at me saying I'm overreacting. It is not an overreaction. I am just doing my job. Overreaction here from everybody, not just you, Vincent, everybody that's blowing this out of proportion. Look, we know Evan Ingram drops footballs. We've seen it our entire career, his whole career. Going back to Ole Miss, we knew what he was going to do, right? I mean, I'm just glad that it's taking place in July. I'd be more concerned if it's August. If it's, I mean, I don't care if it's August. Get me to the season and catch the footballs when you need to. Don't look like an ass of yourself on Monday Night Football. That's all I care about. As far as the kicker goes, I know, like, Matthew Wright came in. The Jags have always had good kickers. Scobie, Lambeau, they get good kickers. Um, however, I am, I, I'm not saying I'm concerned about this, but when you're risking the lives of reporters, I have the tweet right here pulled up. Jaguars have kicking issues. Warming up, they hit Dave Campo in the head, nearly wiped out Ashlyn Sullivan, and sent another group scattering. None of them were even standing anywhere <laughs> close to the goalposts. So, yeah, they're kicking the ball everywhere, and people need to duck when they're at this training camp. But once again, it's July. Do we have footage? Do we have footage of these trying to find it? I don't know if you guys have ever been to a, an NFL training camp. Been to many. But there are people everywhere. Like, they're everywhere. There's people here, people there, people on the left, people on the right. There's balls flying. There's so much is going on at NFL training camps, especially when they break out into position. I want to see video how far the when, – when reporters say things like they weren't anywhere close <laughs> To the goalpost, I want to see footage. Otherwise, I think it's just looking for clicks, trying to report something to be funny because I don't buy it. I don't <laughs> care how bad these kickers are. I don't know who the kickers are. I don't I don't buy that these kicks were just so bad that Dave Campo is on the 20-yard line <laughs> and they're kicking from the 40 and it's hitting Dave Campo in the head. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. The well, Jags, I'll buy that it. Was, yeah, yeah, well. Yeah, that that too. But Dylan, what are your overall thoughts on Jags camp? What are you looking forward to most, and what are your uh, thoughts moving forward? I'm, I'm just looking at uh, kind of. I know it's kind of out there a little bit, but I'm looking at the wide receiver room. 
I think that it wasn't talked about enough. I think bringing in a Christian Kirk, I want to see the chemistry there. Uh, Zay Jones gets brought in. You have uh, Laquan Treadwell, Treadwell in year two. Um, sort of a new look. There's no more DJ Chark. Chenault's kind of buried with what he's got, um, everything he's got going on there. But, I mean, there's a couple of pieces on this offense uh, I'm a little bit not worried about. I just, I, I just want to see how Trevor Lawrence in this offense under Doug Peterson does. And I think the wide receiver room's a big step. I want to see him have great chemistry with these wide receivers because last year, if you remember in September, he was thrown to Jamal Agnew because Urban Meyer loves speed. Yeah. So um, that's not good. So hopefully. ABJ, ABJ. Anybody, Anybody but, but Jamal. Jamal. Like if, if Jamal Agnew Anybody is the guy. Well, but they were throwing to, spe- they were throwing to special teamers. I, I, but to, to your point, Dylan, Doug Peterson actually really likes LaVisca Chanel. And we taught, we, we heard all of this last year. So it's kind of hard to go back in on a LaVisca Chanel, but Doug Peterson has, 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 has had high praise for LaVisca Chanel during the off season and so far through training camp, whether that actually is going to mean he is a wide receiver too on this team or MVP. It hasn't translated to games. He's been an off season. It's not even that. Like when I hear things like that, I'm like, well, you signed Zay Jones, you signed Christian Curtis. How much did you actually yeah. like? I don't Levis think anyone is guaranteed the wide receiver one, two, or three position on this Jaguars team. It could go to literally anyone at this point. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, no. Christian Kirk. I think okay. maybe the wide receiver two and two. three. I don't think – I don't think – Yeah, I think yeah. Marvin Jones. I, I wanted to say one more thing. Evan Ingram I, I like a lot despite his drops, everything. I got a quote from here from him right here. He said it takes a while to break out of a shell. He's not feeling uh, – not, not that he's not feeling yeah, great there. Sure. Big wait, 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 what? He trapped he said, in a straight jacket shell. Bro, he's, wait, wait, he what do you mean break out of his place. shell? This is his quote, by the way. Coming into a new place, learning again, and meeting the guys, and building bonds has been a big adjustment. But from day one, the energy's been great. Also, so five years in New York, so five years in New York, doing the same exact <laughs> thing of dropping balls, you never broke out of your shell. And now year one in Jacksonville, you need six more years to say, hey, I need I need more time to break out of my shell. He also kind of shit Straight on Dan Arnold. He said, he said he's kind of corny, but he's a good guy to hold yourself accountable with. <laughs> the post? Dan, hey. Hey, it would not shock me if Dan Arnold beat out oh, Evan Ingram and it was right. more productive. That, I, that's going to happen. That that mm-hmm. is going to happen. I that's going to happen. Trevor Lawrence really liked Dan Arnold last season. That that is a another fun fact. But uh, I, I really do see Dan Arnold being the t- the tight end one for this team. But all right, that does it for another episode of the Sac City Podcast, which covers the Jaguars, Titans, Colts, and Texans here in our training camp preview. We have the a the NFC South on. Wednesday morning, live at 10 a.m. Eastern time, right here on you, right here on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. We're also everywhere. Um, please check us out. AJ, I haven't done this in a while. We're gonna do it today. Please, I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna start the music. I'm gonna let it play. Actually, let's let's throw. AJ, please do the world a favor and tell them where <laughs> they can follow us at how bad is it ladies <laughs> gentlemen thank you so very much for rocking with us on this impromptu live it was a lot of fun i love having you guys back in the chat shout out bailey shout out sheriff joe shout out my boy dante it's at sac city pod on every single social media platform you know 
Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. So always head over, hit those likes, hit those follows, hit those shares, hit subscribe, and rock with us every Wednesday through Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. Good morning, Sac City. Nothing but love. Hashtag GMSG. Your boys are back in town. I done that one in a minute. There it is. It felt good. It felt good. Yeah. There it is. We'll be back in, like AJ said, 10 a.m. Eastern. And here's one last time the training camp stat of the day. Until next time, though, for your boy AJ Johnson, for the Canadian himself, Aaron the Mukes, I am Mukes, and for the smoothest voice in sports casting, Dylan Kearns, I am me. We will see you Wednesday. Don't press that next button. That was a great show, right? You know it, I know it. So let's help somebody else know it. Before you listen to our next episode, go ahead and write us a review and let everyone know how great it is to be a part of the city. Sac City, home of six-star content.